Hello, and welcome back to the Real Professional Podcast. We don't have any girls tonight. Star is on vacation, so we're doing a boys' night here. And what better boys' night discussion than fucking Call of Duty, bro? Oh my god, have you seen the new MB5? It's so OP. Oh my god, fucking yeah. no scope phase plan for life. Fucking take my children, fucking phase plan. 360 no scope, bro. Fucking noob took shit. Miss me with that shit, bro. I fucked your mom. Monsters all over the place. Wait, you fucked my mom? Cut that part. We all uh, suffered from a little bit of uh, temporary Call of Duty-induced insanity, though. But, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I think it's a good feeling, good vibes all around today. And I think that, honestly, we're going to have to take a little bit of that back because I think this new Call of Duty actually does warrant some discussion. So, uh, you know, I, I've, I've assembled a cast of uh, exp- Call of Duty experts here today. Going from left to right, we have Alex Chang here, a.k.a. Corpse Pile. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm just excited to talk about Call of Duty. And of course, we've got the lovely Zolivier Nelson here, aka Dog Airport Game Man, aka Strange Scaffold, aka uh, did some space stuff for Hypnospace Outlaw and other games. You know, he's doing a lot of stuff. Comic book artist. How are you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, part part of part of that intro is true, I, but everyone has to. This is an ARG now, where everyone has to unpick which pieces are true and which are not. Which is very much in keeping with the theme of Call of Duty Black Ops, which uh, Cold War, which is all about uh, hidden information, uh, arbitrarily blacking out pieces of information, and also just sometimes waking up and suddenly you've you advanced twenty five levels, but you feel so empty inside. <laughs> Damn, you came you came prepared. I did no research for this podcast. And uh, once again, as always, we have Jesse here. How you doing? I'm doing good. You excited to be talking about Call of Duty today, your favorite game franchise? I, uh, well, I don't know. It's been a long time since I played, so uh, I'm looking forward to catching up on all my favorite characters, uh, like... The MP5. AR-15 and the MP5. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the, the Tomahawk. Uh, the classic, Tomahawk, uh, yeah. And the throwing knife. Uh, I'm, AK-47. I'm looking, yeah, white man wrists. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's good. Directly in cameras, the white man wrists. <laughs> check, uh, check, check in on how skill-based matchmaking has been. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I think that mostly Jesse's, Jesse is here to bear witness to our discussion, because I actually think there's a lot to actually discuss with Cold War. I was actually kind of shocked. When I when I messaged uh, Xavier about doing this this pod, it was like, before I had finished the campaign, I was only a couple missions in. I was like, eh, you know, like this week we're trying to figure out what content to do. And I was like, let's just talk about Call of Duty because it's out and whatever. And it's probably going to be an easy discussion. Uh, but having reached the end of the campaign, um, I it's kind One of... One of the two ends of the campaign, actually. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the two ends of the campaign. Um, not, ex- not, as, not as patriotic as I thought this game would be. 
Really? So so we're gonna we're gonna go full spoilers, right? Yeah, this discussion. is a spoiler podcast. If you if you are upset about the spoilers to Call of Duty, um, I have the I have a, a few numbers of some very good therapists that you can talk to. Um, it's should... like spoiling Doom Two. Like, yeah, <laughs> they shoot a bunch of people. Like, who gives a shit? What is there to spoil? And it's the Cold War, so you know how it ends. Yeah, I mean, one, one good thing it if you are worried about spoilers for the game is that a huge portion of it, like in general, I have massive respect for the Call of Duty series and the teams who work on it uh, because they do push themselves with every entry in a lot of ways that folks gloss over because it is still encased within this very solid mixture of uh, high-speed arcade gunplay. Uh, the main campaign has a whole bunch of Again, let alone the zombies motor multiplayer and how many hours you might spend um, mowing down people in there. The single player mode has a bunch of secrets and uh, unexpected mechanical uh, additions and narrative things. Your campaign actually might be, uh, even though if you're going through the same core storyline, your experience of the campaign might be different than someone else's. So rest assured there. Yeah, you're going to get story spoilers, but this is uh, even more so than some previous entries like Infinite Warfare, which had very cool branches and side quests attached to its structure. This one goes even further into creating a campaign that you can play through and that is going to be uh, that's going to feel like your own unique journey, even if you know exactly what's going to happen. Yes, this is the best Call of Duty campaign since Infinite Warfare, I'd say. My, I, I, I was a big fan of the Modern Warfare reboot of last year. You see, I there's a there's an issue that I had with the Modern Warfare reboot, which is uh, the same issue that I have with shows like Jack Ryan, uh, which is like it's it's that that whole fallacy of the good guy rogue agent still working in the structure of the government, where it's like modern warfare was like uh like oh we're, we're gonna do the right thing by shooting a million people when this game is much less moralizing i'd say there's like this game doesn't seem to have a message of good guys versus bad guys more of just two sides of a conflict whereas modern warfare i f felt like and, and i felt that that saccharine uh like most noble heroic death towards the end of modern war oh spoilers for modern warfare sorry um, like that, like overly heroic death, uh, towards the end was like, it just felt trite, you know, that's how I felt. I, 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 th I think in general, the Call of Duty is a surprisingly emotional series. Uh, one of my favorite moments of Infinite Warfare actually was coming to the end of the campaign and you press buttons to get the last messages and eulogies of all of the members of your squad that perished and, mm -hmm. uh, making... Uh, the world a better place when it reaches to this genuine emotional connection most often attached to um, individual characters and their perspectives I think that that's when the series is at its best um, in terms of communicating narratively where that becomes a problem is when it, it that extends to like greater uh, principles like patriotism betrayal uh, what does it mean to be American Mm -hmm. that can tend to as soon as it gets beyond the personal it can tend to get really um it can get weird very weirdly distilled mm -hmm. which is one thing that confused me for uh call of duty because especially when i'd seen a lot of the criticism and chatter around it everybody's like oh, i has ronald reagan 
this is going to be full of crap. This is a game so intently focused on being about um, the moral ambiguity of its greater scope. So, mm-hmm. yes, it does have a, still that personal focus in some regards, but the fact that its message is surprisingly cynical, mm-hmm. I connected with that. I was very surprised to find how, how, how deep they went in there. Yeah, I will say that the Call of Duty franchise, I think, is beginning to better reflect the sentiments of an increasingly disenfranchised populace. Like, this, this is the Call of Duty for 2020. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, yeah, I, th- I get that. Yeah, and I think that that's, like, you know... The, I, I, the thing about the Ronald Reagan part, though, like, I didn't much care for the Ronald Reagan part of it um, because, like, I felt like he was a little bit too idolized. Like, when he walks in the room and they're like, uh, President Reagan, these this is Shooter Man and Shooter Person. And he's like, I know who they are. Who do you think signed off on their mission? I know all my boys. It's like God Emperor Reagan sitting down and giving a little speech about <laughs> like how he loves all of his troops oh, right. just so very much. Um, and I, I know if, the names and favorite callers of 100,000 soldiers. Yeah. And their, and their families. And, and I um, think I, I think that that was a political decision because it's it's a little bit like he's a real person. And it's easy to, like, make moral gray area for fake characters. But, like, if they had, like, shown Ronald Reagan, like, if they, like, if Ronald if Reagan... They, if, and, if they pulled an SNL with, like, that Phil Hartman sketch where he's uh, evil empire Ronald Reagan, that there would have been problems there. I, I, I just... Mean, mm-hmm. to in, in, in simply not having him as a senile old man being controlled by his wife, who yes. in turn is being controlled by her astrologer, uh, like... <laughs> I mean, I would have been so down for a Reagan remember, that, like... Just saying, I remember. Like, that's... No, he didn't. He didn't remember anything. <laughs> oh, no. He remember playing a cowboy. Yeah, I mean, like, I would have been happy with a Reagan that, like, walks into the wrong room, and then he's like, how's our cocaine money from South America going? Or is that more of an HW thing? Jesse, you're you're a big fan of the uh, drug smuggling from South American uh, dictatorships. Which Was that more of a Reagan or a, a, of a HW thing? I believe H.W. because he was the head of the CIA. Yeah. And I think Jesse died again, so that's nice. I guess uh... <laughs> I guess for me, I I mean, you know the Call of Duty games have been compared to Michael Bay movies. And I suppose, for me personally, the only basis of which I judge the campaigns is, is which one has the best set pieces, I mm-hmm. guess, in my opinion. Yeah, this I would actually say that this has weaker set pieces than like even Modern Warfare Three, which was basically just a bunch of insane, crazy set pieces over and over again. And well, uh, like to, to to elaborate on that, I guess the reason I was drawn to the Modern Warfare reboot was so yeah, there's always the big crazy set pieces, bunch of vehicles flying around, you're gunning a hundred people, but it was like uh, it was the segment of where I think that happens twice in Modern Warfare, the segment of where you like raid the apartments. Oh, and yeah. it's just like three of you in very close quarters, one or two people per room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I think was a it's very yeah, yeah. It's like when they get to that like grounded, more grounded of a scenario. You know, like this is within the realm of a realistic thing, rather than you know you taking on fifty guys. Like you're you're not nobody yeah. survives that. Modern warfare was definitely a turn for the darker, especially when you play as like the child in a like Middle Eastern nation that gets gassed. Oh my god! I yeah, I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. I, yeah. I forgot about that stuff. I <laughs> I get it, and it, it's been in there ever since, you know, No Russian, but it's like some of that stuff, I'm just like, come on. Yeah. Is there, like, 
There's probably like a think tank that sits around coming up with like the darkest thing they can come up with for each <laughs> Call of Duty. Yeah, I think that um with okay, so quick quick question. Did any of you did any of you know what scene in this one is taken out if you say like no to no. violence? No, I was wondering that too, because it warns you per usual. And mm-hmm. the whole time I'm waiting for the shoe to drop and it doesn't drop. Is, or, it, is, or, is it the torture of the uh is it the torture of the prisoner? That wasn't called any modern warfare. Because in modern and, in modern warfare, the torture of the prisoner is what gets cut out if you say no to the extra violence. So you can still like throw a dude off off of a, off of a building if you choose no to uh, graphic content. I, I would be willing to bet that the graphic content turns off the second ending. Interesting. I, I don't that... know, but. Hmm. Let me see if I can get it up. I'm trying to look at it through. I haven't reached the ending, but I do know that the... I have read up on on the game extensively. I've played quite a bit of Zombies multiplayer. Uh, From what I know, that second ending is brutal. It's it's actually like... So I haven't done the good ending yet, but I've read what it is. Like, the really dark ending, I am... It's probably, like, my favorite ending, just because it's like, okay, they went... I don't know. They did something I didn't expect them to do. I kind of expected the typical, you know, oh, we saved everybody. Here's a nice bow on top of everything. Well, and that's the thing is, like, I, I was expecting this game to be just as, like, un, like okay, so I, I actually agree with all of you that I think that, like, the Call of Duty games were an emotional journey. Like, I think Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the original, like, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare with, like, the nuke scene and things like that. Or might, that might have been Modern Warfare 2. I can't remember. Uh, no, my, no, that was the original. Yeah. Uh, Modern Warfare 2 had some of that, though. Yeah, I, I think that the modern warfare, the original Modern Warfare, like, it did have some genuinely emotional moments. Um, and I think that even Black Ops, like, because Black Ops was kind of the original darker turn for Call of Duty. Uh, I guess Black Ops followed World at War, which World at War was, like, a darker turn, but no one played it because it was, like, the first Treyarch game. And That was the one with uh, Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland, right? Yeah. Is that the one with Kiefer Sutherland? Shit. Kiefer yeah. Sutherland can die in there. Mm. Yeah. What? Wait, who does he play? Kiefer? Um, I don't know. Uh, who does he play? A long time ago. He, I think he plays like some, like some, some guy like named like Archer or Raider or uh, Jack. It, it's a very, <laughs> it is a very uh, man. It's a very man shoot name, um, yeah. in the kindest way possible. His name is Brick so, Bowflex. His name is Corporal Roebuck. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> you were not far off. Oh Jesus! Wait. Okay, I'm not confusing this. The world at war kind of kicked off Black Ops, right? Yes. Some of the characters yeah, carried over. Yeah, they're they're the same characters. Um, I think with Modern Warfare too. Yes. Um, like oh, the, uh, Reznov, Victor Reznov. Reznov. Oh, that's Gary Oldman. Uh... Damn. Mm-hmm. Really. They managed to get Gary Oldman, and then they brought him into subsequent entries, which I thought was cool. So I think um, I think that the way the canon works now is that they rebooted Modern Warfare with Modern Warfare, and that this game takes place, I believe, in the same world as the new Modern Warfare, because you see the Zakayev in the uh, in the Russian embassy, and he that is the. Said, hmm? That said, it is uh, also still contiguous, from what I can tell, with previous black ops games so it's the uh 
It is the sequel to Call of Duty Black Ops, the prequel to Black Ops 2, and it's in the universe of Modern Warfare. So, like, the Black Ops series, it, it, I, I was interested in seeing how they didn't actually reboot this, because I thought this would be another reboot, especially given the title. Right. No, I, I agree. That's that, I, that's why I think everyone assumed it would be. Um, is this pre or post uh, the mind-controlled guy killing JFK? It would have to be before. Or, sorry, after, because JFK would have been dead by then. Yeah, and they're just cool with that? Like, he's still part of the team? Because I think at the you end know. of Black Ops, they're like, they kind of hint that he killed JFK. Yeah, I mean, you know, we all make mistakes. Wait. <laughs> that was probably, you know, what if that was a success on their end? What if that was... Yeah, you, you, you start the game, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops uh, Cold War, playing as Mason, a man who has canonically killed JFK. So, yeah. like, he's still around. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Huh. I'm having some difficulty with that cognitively. I mean, if we want to get real deep into it, we can just have this be part of the whole conspiracy that the CIA killed JFK. So, I mean, maybe they were like, good job, buddy. Here's your promotion. You and Woods get to hang out for the rest of your life. Yeah. Oh, wait. That exists within your your brain. Then then the Black Ops, doesn't it jump into the future? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Which um, I, I think that in the future, Europe is unnuked. So, I mean, I guess there's never been a multiplayer Call of Duty map in Europe. So possibly it's they're trying to keep it open for either side of the story i don't i don't know i don't really think so oh geez yeah black ops 3 is in 2065 i forgot about that black yeah. ops 3 i thought got an unfair shake it's one of the most content buff uh video games i've oh. ever seen based on triple a level there's yeah. so much stuff in there so much so many things you can do uh, and yeah. I was actually, I didn't finish it, but I, I did like what I had played of the story. Yeah. I, so I, I, I hmm? oh, sorry. I was just going to say, so I, I totally, for, okay. So I should probably disclaim, I, I worked at Activision for a little bit and it was during the launch of Black Ops 3. And I just completely forgot that there was like, I don't know if you guys remember this. There was the campaign, but then there was like the hidden story in the campaign mm-hmm. that was like a read between the lines kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I just totally forgot that, like, once you know the context of the hidden story in the campaign, it, like, completely changes what the campaign's actually about. You want to give us a brief overview of what that means? Uh, oh, God, I'm going to have to look it up. But it's something to do, and if somebody who knows better, correct me here, because I'm probably going to get some things wrong. But there's, like, certain, in typical Black Ops fashion, there's, like, text that flashes by quickly in the loading screens. Mm-hmm. And the story in that text, if you, like, pause the screens and read them, uh, none of it is mentioned in the actual gameplay or the campaign, but I guess basically it has something to do with like, oh God, I'm going to get this wrong, but like the whole thing, the whole actual campaign doesn't actually happen. And it's like somebody replaying a memory or something like that. Cause there was that whole like consciousness of the soldiers and stuff. I don't remember the actual details, but. Oh, this is uh, for Call of Duty uh, Black Ops 3. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. it's like. Yeah, so, like, the whole actual plot doesn't actually happen, but it's, like, mirroring a past event that happened to the character that was played by uh, the guy from Law & Order who was in there. Holy, holy shit, it's the latter half of Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but yeah, basically. So the whole campaign is, like, not actually real, and the only way you find out is, you know, finding out, paying attention to the messages in between levels, I guess. And then there's this... Then there's a further campaign mode 
where it has the main campaign, but also there's like zombies and there are other uh, spooky creatures. Oh yeah. And, uh, there's 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 a virus and it's infecting the world, and you have to uh, destroy zombies and was uh, again like a retelling of the campaign, but also this third layer of actually we uh you were just like living out some memories like you had gone to sleep and when you woke up you were in the zombie world and you have to go through the campaign that way it went in places yeah yeah it totally turns out that one of the bad guys is like a god a demigod what i guess that one goes weird i'm looking at it right now there's like i'm seeing what you saw with the story and then there's the reality but then there's nightmares that's right there's nightmares mode which might not be canon right I remember that part because uh, that that was the one where they, they actually tried to tie the zombie mode into the main story. Uh, but then yeah. there was also regular zombies. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. The nightmare mode was its own thing, I believe. It was like its own extra secret chapter, right? Uh, not just a chapter, but a series of chapters. Like yeah, that, yeah. that was a game with like four different campaigns plus four player cooperative uh, gameplay. It. It, by all rights, should not have uh, had nearly as much content as went in there. Mm-hmm. That that shouldn't have... I'm, like, reading over the campaign and the setting. This should... Out of all of them, this, this is the one I would say... This should not have been a Call of Duty game. Like, this should have just been its own thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing, though, is that, like, Black Ops and the Treyarch um, have always kind of tried to push the boundaries of Call of Duty, while I always feel that... Um, like Infinity Ward has has their like idea of the hyper awesome military story that they want to tell, whereas it's mm-hmm. always been the Black Ops series that takes a more like nuanced, interesting approach. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Sledgehammer games are like, oh, we need another one, and the other two teams are busy. It's that uh, it's that meme of that three headed dragon and the ones looking derpy off to the side. That's Sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah, and that's the uh, that's like World at War and stuff. Not World War, World at War, World War Two, Call of Duty, World War Two, which is you know funny because it's like the fifth World War Two Call of Duty. So, and then was Advanced, yeah, and then Advanced Warfare was is Sledgehammer. that the one with the pedophile? Yeah, that's the one with okay. Spacey. <laughs> uh... Uh... Advanced Warfare was minus minus Spacey in hindsight, who is kind of like your uh, morally ambiguous uh, uh, capitalist dad. Uh, that was actually a really fun campaign. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's the thing. Call of Duty campaigns are very polished. Like they're they're very well made games. They they there's no doubting that like the Call of Duty franchise is made by experts in the field that know how to make that style of game. Yeah, I would. I would like to get a prediction out here on the record. Um, okay. And okay, so I'm. I know I'm probably not the first person to predict this. Uh, I feel like eventually, at some point, the franchise will have nowhere to go but time travel. <laughs> and I yeah, mean, they kind of do with the zombie mode, right? Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, I feel like it'll be like the the core thing. Wow. It'll be the campaign thing because I mean, in so... theory, they have all the assets for it. They have assets ranging from you know. World War II era, if not a little bit earlier, all the way into the future. So I feel like at some point they could just start having a campaign that runs through all of them. What what I love about that specific uh, suggestion is that it then suggests a timeline in which Call of Duty essentially becomes time splitters. That's all they can do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 
I, I would just love if it reveals that, like, the new American frontier is time and you're time cop and you just play as Jean-Claude Van Damme. Holy shit. <laughs> I would be okay with that. We yeah. should work for, work for Treyarch. We should work for Call of Duty. Well, my, my tinfoil hat theory... To have us. <laughs> my tinfoil hat theory is that um, because we have these two canons, the original Modern Warfare canon and the new one that they're rebooting, and I think that the reboot canon is trying to tie into Black Ops... I think that the mm-hmm. zombies mode, uh, which I've played a fair amount of, is also trying to tie two cannons together. And I think that they're finally going to try to do some kind of like cross universe thing where they have like established universes, but that are tied together in an official way. Because so far the zombies mode has been like separate. It's, it's had its own canon and separate story from the main campaign. And for a while, uh, inf- like the the Infinity War team has always tried to make their own thing where uh, ghosts have the alien uh, battling, which I thought was really cool, uh, and their spec ops mode and so on. Uh, and then with Infinite Warfare, they went full on making their own zombies mode. Uh, same thing with Call of Duty World War II. So I actually, I wouldn't be surprised if we ended up with the Call of Duty Modern Warfare Black Ops but uh, seeing all of those uh, titles and subject headers together would make me slightly uh, existentially disassociate from reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I remember, and I also remember that there was exo zombies in Advanced Warfare, right, where they had the the zombies with the power armor that could jump real high. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that, see, that was that was the period of Call of Duty where I disliked it when there was double jumps and. And slide boosts and all that stuff. I, I liked it. You know, Titanfall was fun. Same but thing. I mean, I mean, that's that's the thing though. It was already like the gameplay was like Halo, Titanfall, Destiny. Like it was just moving towards that, and there was already a lot of other things that, in my opinion, covered it better. Yeah. And, and I think that you know, basically, if you didn't, if you don't like the new Call of Duty Exo Zombies, there's always like or whatever new Call of Duty, there's always, like, 17 other to choose from that are all, you know, they all hold up pretty well. The only problem is it's hard to find uh, multiplayer matches for a lot of these games. But if you're just checking out... I'm actually having tried it. Uh, If if it's within the past decade, it is actually disturbingly easy to find matches still. Uh, Not for Advanced Warfare, I'd say, because I think that's probably the worst performing one, or World War II probably not either. I mean, probably uh, Black Ops 4... But Black Ops 3? You think people are still playing Black Ops 3 over Black Ops 4? People are still playing Black Ops 3 because, like, Black Ops 3 had uh, has modding, uh, which is oh. has has modding and dedicated servers and so on. So there's people who have made their own, like, Christmas-themed maps, uh, zombie maps, and are playing Christmas zombies right now while we're over here uh, talking about Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're having a good time. Yeah, I four, was, four was the no campaign one, right? Yes, it had yeah. no campaign, but it did not have a story. There was a story to it, but it was one of those that you kind of had to like go through the text logs. It's kind of like the uh, finding out oh, the yeah. backstory to uh, uh, Doom Eternal. It's like a lot of it's like hidden in like text logs and stuff that you can read if you want to, but like a lot of players aren't. Um, and I think a lot of players were were disappointed that Black Ops Four didn't have a campaign, uh, and I I think rightly so because. Uh, like, okay, so a bit of backstory here. Um, you know, Al- Alex had to give his disclaimer that he worked at Activision. I have a pretty good working relationship with Activision in general, um, especially the Call of Duty team. So, like, for, for my press contact, uh, Activision is pretty much just 
a Call of Duty press contact. Um, like, they have a whole team that just handles Call of Duty press, as opposed to, like, uh, a general press team that handles all Activision stuff. They have, like, just a Call of Duty team. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, I've gone to the Call of Duty World Tour and stuff. They, like, flew me out. I've interviewed uh, Brian Bright, who uh, I think is the creative director at... at uh, well, I don't know if he's a creative director at Infinity Ward. No, is he? I'm trying to remember exactly what his position is. Um, but he did the he did the uh, the zombies, uh, uh, the zombie in space one. Not zombie in space. The zombie. What's the one that that had Hasselhoff in it? Oh, that that, that is Infinite Warfare. Yeah, I, I knew it was an Infinite Warfare, but I can't remember the name of that call that that mode. I think it was just zombies. Is it? Hmm. Well, anyways, Brian Bright is one of the guy, one of the the heads of the the company. So I've interviewed him. You know, I, I've worked with these these people before. So I, I have um, like I'm not a huge Call of Duty fan, and I'm not afraid to be critical of it. But I do have fond memories of like sitting in the Call of Duty World Tour, getting blackout drunk, and watching Phase Clan 360 no scope headshot. It's like I, I understood it when I was like sitting in that arena, and a bunch of bros were like, "Yeah, it's it's really fun." Probably the funniest thing though about that, and this is just a side tangent is that, like, professional Call of Duty players are, like, just as big of nerds as any other professional gamer. You know, they're hardcore. And they're not, like, dude bros. Like, the, the stereotypical dude bro gamer, not professional Call of Duty players. Professional Call of Duty players are, like, they're the same as any other... They're, they're like, professional StarCraft players. You know, they, they spend all day learning routes and all this stuff. Um, and they were doing this thing where, like, ultra Call of Duty fans could then meet the players, and all of, like, the ultra fans were, like... <laughs> blackout drunk like sports bros and they were just like meeting these professional gamers and like they were doing it was the most awkward meet and greets i've ever seen because the professional players like just wanted to talk about like high level strats and like things like that and the dude bros just be like sick headshots bro it was really really funny um so that's 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 a fun call of duty story uh but i i i so i, I i've i've worked with the call of duty people before on on various stuff um, and their ethos when creating a new Call of Duty is um, they're, they're shooting towards a wide variety of gamers. And they said, like, look, a lot of people that buy Call of Duty maybe only buy one or two video games a year. And we want to make sure that the package that they're getting is, like, a ton of content. Um, you know, the campaign, not the best shooter campaign you're ever going to find. Multiplayer, really good. But it's a lot of it is, like, is, there's a lot of grind. But the, the, the variety and diversity of modes, like, you can't say that a new Call of Duty isn't worth 60 bucks because there's definitely $60 worth of content in the package, you know? It, I, yeah, I think you raised this, this point of what does it mean to be an exceptional game like that. Uh, we, when you talk about grinding a Call of Duty game, you have to talk about it in a different way than, say, an Assassin's Creed because... What for you is what for you or for uh, me or for uh, a journalist or a professional in this field might be. Uh, am I experiencing anything new? Fifty hours in, but I have to do it to get the next uh, attachment for my gun. If this is the one game someone buys a year, this is their game that they come home to. This is the game that they play every evening for another three hundred and sixty days. With that in mind, it makes perfect sense that you have progression and other things function the way they do. I, I, I get, I got a little grumpy uh, looking at the variety of level ups and tier bars. And if you manage to exfil from zombies mode, you can get Ethereum crystals. You can use to level up other stuff, but it wasn't until I took a step back and went, wait, this is built to be 
built to have the potential to be someone's every game if it, if it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really The question is, is then, uh, it, does it provide that same $60 value if it isn't going to be your all game either? And I would say for Black Ops, having not played uh, a Call of Duty campaign for some time, uh, I didn't get through Modern Warfare, although it's something I always wanted to jump into. With the PS5 and the DualSense controller and the thing bucking in your hand and uh, the, ex- the the array of experiences here, I think this is going to be something I return to time and time again. And considering how I didn't even do that for Warzone, which is steadily claiming uh, every hard drive that it's installed on, <laughs> I, th- I think it, I think that that they have landed on something special in terms of the total value proposition and how they have continue to evolve the formula for this entry. Yeah, what, what is Warzone? What, what was it at max? Like 130 gigabytes? No, it's not 209, uh, but that's down because it was at like 300 gigs uh, at like this, like about a month or two ago. How does anyone Yeah, that? you couldn't even, uh, they just put in the option for you to like pick apart what you actually wanted to install. Otherwise that's, it was like, you had to take everything, even if you were never going to play it. Yeah, like I was, I was thinking of downloading Doom 2016, and then I was like, "Oh right, uh, there was a patch that was 25 gigabytes, even though I have a disc," um, and that really turned me off. So I can't imagine how bad it would be for somebody who's like, "Yeah, I'm thinking of booting up Call of Duty, ooh, but I got to download." Th- you know, there was 300 hours of of shit. So when I near the end of when I stopped working at Activision, they released Tony Hawk Pro Skater Five. And that was the one that was notorious, where the day one patch was larger than the on-content stuff on the disc itself. Mm-hmm. Like they essentially, like the game was essentially the day one patch. Oh, they yeah. just shipped the disc so they'd have a physical thing to sell. Nice. Well, the uh, uh, Warzone itself is is a standalone experience you can play. You don't have to have uh, Modern Warfare for it. Uh, or Black Ops, although you can, yeah. having Black Ops does give you Warzone stuff. It, it's very weird to play a game uh, in the in the main screen. I think it has uh, campaign, multiplayer, Warzone, Zombies options. And I went to Warzone. I was like, oh, shoot, this is neat. It's included with the game. And then they were like, no, that's a different app. <laughs> it's so wild to have the, to have the, to have the simultaneous idea of two 200 gigabyte experiences or 150 gigabyte experiences living side by side it, as more companies of scale have their eternal game uh, a la Fortnite, mm-hmm. because the economics of releasing less games that make more profits uh, is is just increasing. Like the, it is, I wish there were numbers to argue against it, but there isn't. Which is one of the reasons I'm so glad that. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War exists, frankly, because if you have a Fortnite, as Call of Duty Warzone uh, continues to like just slobber up cash, it's so deliriously uh, a moneymaker. There is the argument that could be made on a corporate level of, well, why don't we just make Warzone content for the next five years? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's the reason we haven't gotten it. We went a whole generation without a new GTA. 
Yeah, and I mean, even Red Dead Redemption, I don't think, is doing nearly as well as Call of Duty, or sorry, uh, GTA Five did, just because they could, um, you know, every you know six months uh, release a car that had like like a jetpack on it or some shit. <laughs> I, you can't I, really do that with Red Dead. You can't release a horse with a jetpack. I remember, um, and this is this was public information because this was a while ago. Uh, whenever I was, I can't remember whatever year it was, but at one point Activision, one of their top selling products for that fiscal year, whatever it was, was the Black Ops 3 DLC content season. Like, I think the only thing it maybe was beaten by, if not second place, was Destiny. But, like, the whole DLC season raked in more money than anything else Activision had released in that year. Yeah. Which well, is I mean, crazy. That's why people do DLC. It makes money. Well, it, it makes money if you uh, are... If you're Activision. Uh, there, there's a degree to which you don't see that effect for similar things, but what we're talking about is a very strange economic question of monoliths justifying how how they are treated how they are marketed how their economics work it's on an entirely different plane of existence mm-hmm. fifa ultimate team uh itself makes more money than uh, most games on steam make in a like it is disturbing to think of the number of titles i think red dead uh sorry grand, grand theft auto online and fifa ultimate team being among them that in a day make more than certain uh, titles make in their lifetime, even on a AAA level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the other... with, I was just going to say, with, with that in mind, I just really hope it. I'm not. I don't feel like Activision that uh, Activision is in sudden danger of like, oh man, what if they don't have enough money to make Call of Duty anymore? <laughs> but I am really, really hoping they continue to roll out this yearly thing because the more we do have um, more money distributed in less places, the less total creative output we're going to have as an industry. And that is just a loss. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, you were saying the worry isn't they don't have enough money to make a new Call of Duty. The worry is they have too much money to make a new Call of Duty because, like, um, you know, every time you release one, there's the risk that it's going to suck. And granted, with the new, like, interconnected hubs of Warzone and uh, uh, whatever ones are connected to it, that's kind of, you know, changing it into, like, not so much new games as they are just, like, new nodes on the, on the, on the organism. Yeah, but uh, you're never going to be able to meet, match the profitability of being able to, like, sell DLC equal, equal to the cost of the base game. Like mm-hmm. by creating a new base game, like like if you have a Call of Duty that comes out sixty bucks season pass sixty bucks, the season money they're making off the season pass of sixty bucks is way more than they're making off the base game of sixty bucks because it's easier to create that DLC than it is to create the entire new game. And and yeah. something like Warzone, like you have the opportunity to just keep adding content to it at a fraction of the cost of new games. But the problem is, is that like you're then constrained to designing everything within this this realm of Warzone. And it, it, it limits the creativity. Because like Call of Duty got, got to where it is now because of creative new decisions. Like the Zombies mode was something Infinity Port put in kind of like on a lark. And it's become one of the most popular modes in the game. And and I think that like that kind of, of creative expansion is like you, you don't... I, I'd be willing to bet no one at Activision thought that the Zombies mode would become as popular as it is. And all of a sudden... It, it, it was just a throwaway addition to... Uh 
to World at War to the degree that I think it wasn't even accessible from the main menu. You had to find some, yeah, you had to secret. unlock it in some weird way first, right? Yeah, it was a secret. It was a secret mode. I can't remember exactly how you did it, but it was a secret mode. And, um, you know, it was just this little kind of dinky thing with a few rooms and people enjoyed it enough that when a new, I mean, there was no zombies mode in the new Infinity War Call of Duty for a several installments. It was like only a Treyarch thing for a while, but it started growing in popularity to the point where like then the infinity like I you know like you were saying with the exo zombies or the aliens or the I'm trying to remember what else they did but you know, they were trying to find excuses not to have to use zombies uh I remember when there wasn't matchmaking for zombies modes yeah because it was just like yeah surely only like you and your buddies are gonna want to do this but it was like no nope, this is now right alongside free for all I know people who buy uh or or bought Treyarch games when it was just Treyarch games. They would buy Treyarch games just for zombies. Oh yeah, I mean when I I I, I, I bought zombies too or uh, Black Ops too. Like, see, that's how how like ingrained in my brain it is. It's not like it's not Black Ops two. It's the zombies mode where you're on a bus. <laughs> Do you remember where the zombies mode where you got to play as uh, Nixon and shit? Oh uh, yeah, Black Ops. Yeah. You remember the uh, one where a uh, gigantic George Romero with it with a uh, like gravity hammer is walking around the map and you're playing as uh, Danny Trejo, uh, Sarah Michelle Geller. Uh, uh, I don't remember the other two guys. Are you uh, serious? That was a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, Call of the Dead. It was a DLC. Oh, it was a DLC, or, uh, right. The one, the only one, yeah. the one, the only one that really sticks out in my mind of the previous ones is the one that was like 1920s themed and it had Ron Perlman and Jeff Goldblum in it. Which one was that? Black Ops 3. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, that was... The, I mean, that's the thing. Zombies mode is really cool, and they finally added a lot of... I mean, not finally, but they've, they've really ramped up the functionality of the zombies mode. I mean, like, you can play it solo. They now have a 20-round mode. The extraction is a huge thing I love, because my, my previous problem with getting good at zombies before was, like, no matter how good you get at it, there's only, like, a finite amount of fun you can get from an endless wave mode, because, I mean, you can chase the high score, but... You know, it's, it's the same thing over and over again. But now that you have these extraction options to, like, have some kind of finality to it, even if it's, like, self-imposed finality, I think it's really nice. I I was surprised to see that the zombies mode had uh, RPG-esque elements. So there's, like, tiers of weapons that deal damage. Uh, so you no longer are limited to this cycle of, I really hope I have the right gun for zombies because after a certain point, my pistol is going to be worth garbage. You can also upgrade your weapon uh, by collecting salvage or get like tier two or tier three weapons from, from the wall, deal with mystery box, have the perk machines. In so many ways, I think Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War doesn't just succeed because it's fun. Uh, it's also because it's like the most function, the most functional distillation of so many different branches of the franchise to date, from more warfare's more physical approach to gunplay, to uh, their own iteration on the zombies mode, to the customization uh, of your weapons in multiplayer, down to the branching, uh, slightly varying uh, campaign, complete with levels that you can replay and get new stuff out of to unlock other things. Yeah. So, uh, mm -hmm. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I have to confess that I'm I'm in the last time I checked it was like sub ten percent. I'm in the sub ten percent of people that basically buy these things for the campaign. Mm -hmm. 
and then in a in a lot of instances, I mean, this one in particular in Modern Warfare Reboot, I played the multiplayer, but a lot of the time I don't even bother checking it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I'm, is like, I mean, I don't buy them, but I also am more a fan of the campaign than I am like the the multiplayer. Yeah, mm-hmm. I should say I haven't I haven't bought a Call of Duty game in seven years. They just sent it to me just because I mean. I just like that they're just straight up propaganda, like consciously or not. I mean, I guess that's okay. So... Actually, let's let's dive into that. I actually did. I, I realized halfway through our conversation about zombies um, that we didn't really talk about the campaign as much as we should. So I will say real quick: if you're out there and you're a horror fan and you like zombies and you like the zombies mode, I will say that this is the best one. Uh, and I, I think that, like, like, like Xavier was saying with the RPG elements, like, leveling up, being able to level up your armor, the fact that little, like, numbers pop out of the zombie's head to tell you how much damage you're doing, like, there's so much feedback to it. Like, it, so many other times I've played zombies, I'd be like, this is fun, but it's kind of pointless. This is the first zombies experience that I've had that I was like, I have a very clear direction. There's very clear things to discover. I'm liking what I'm discovering, and there's so much robust here. I'm actually excited to see what else there is, rather than feeling like it's a chore to try to figure out where more stuff is so I can write my review. You know? Yeah, it isn't the, the the problem I've had with previous entries is can't wait to play zombies mode with someone who has watched seventeen thousand lore videos so they can tell me what we're actually supposed to do to get the true ending. Yeah. Oh, did, did does someone know exactly where to shoot the gun that you have to assemble by going into the nether realm and they have to shoot it in a random spot so it turns one crystal into a red crystal so you can suck up the energy that they'll then allow you to drop the cylinders to summon the Easter egg boss. It's like Please, someone do else do that for me. Throw the black hole grenade on the ground and then throw six. Jesse, uh, what I'm talking about is actually what you have to do. Oh, no, yeah. But one of the things I, I was going to say, something else you have to do. You have to throw the black hole grenade on the ground and then you have to throw the Russian doll grenades into it. Oh, Wait, though, isn't, isn't there kind of that in this zombies, though? I haven't played that much zombies yet, but I knew the uh, one level it, I played. It's, it's, it's more clear. Um, okay. No, I mean, there is that wackiness in zombies, and I think that any real, fa- like, any hardcore fan of zombies would be really upset if they didn't have those, like, weird esoteric, like, secrets in it. Um, but luckily, like Zolivir was saying, is, like, you know, waiting for someone to join the lobby that is, like, enough of a Gosu pro to know all these secrets. Luckily, Call of Duty is a popular franchise that I don't have to do that myself. I can, like, reasonably rely on one of every five lobbies having someone that's that level of, like, genius at it to just carry me, you know? And in this one, they have even more like explicit directions in terms of uh, they tell you right away, okay, first you want to power on the facility and you find out how to power on the facility. And it's like, okay, now you've unlocked this new agency and there's this thing called Dark Aether and you can go into that mode and it has weird and freaky effects. Uh, now you need to find a piece for the machine. It walks you through, I'm sure they have secrets and uh, additional esoteric lore, but if for the rest of us, it seems they've also made significant allowances to uh, make this a mode where you're actually doing something, uh, including exfilling, mm-hmm. as opposed to simply thinking about survival uh, and that being the only appeal to the mode. And yeah. I dig it a lot. And I, I, th- I will say this is the first, maybe not the first, maybe the last one to this as well, but if you beat the Easter egg in this one, if you, if you go through all and fight the final boss, it forces the game to go into the exfil mode so there's now an actual way to beat the mode rather than just oh i beat the last boss okay now it's round 72 you know mm-hmm. and there is there is some of that weird esoteric secret stuff but i will say that um like the base level secrets are easier to find and it's easier for uh casual players to interact with them but they still do have that like crazy hard to find stuff but that's that's gonna be zombies that's how they do it and that's good i think it's good that they do that 
Anyways, I guess, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just gonna say. I guess I don't know. I guess I've never played too many too many zombies. I don't know. That that mode never clicked for me. I don't know why. I I get the appeal of it, and I I hop in there from time to time, but I don't know. It just doesn't stick for me. I mean, before from what I understand, before this one, it was like you kind of just have to. Uh, I mean, it was kind of like a roguelite in which you were just dropped in and you just had to hope that not only did you survive, but you spent your points in the right way to find the right spot in order to get to a place, uh, like a new spot each time you played. And I made all, you know, for most of them, I certainly didn't have the patience for that. Yeah, I think I think that must be what it is for me, is that, you know, uh, with the exception of you getting somebody dropped in that knows what they're doing, I have to play like... I don't know, 10 rounds before I even get an idea of like what I'm supposed to be doing. There's this cool feature to zombies that I think is uh, a, a leftover remnant of the old days of the internet where the, the secrets are buried deep enough that there's this general, genuine communal sense of we're all trying to figure this out together and posting on the forums and stuff to like figure it all out. And I, I really like that feeling. And I think that that's, that's a cool thing from like, olden days of gaming that you really don't get anymore because nowadays it's like other than that other than Hideo Kojima with his easter egg of diffusing all the nukes like you don't really get that level of hidden content because so many publishers are so concerned with getting there everyone knows exactly what's going on here's exactly what's in the package and you know they're they're afraid that players are going to miss content and I think it's it's cool that a, a franchise as large as Call of Duty is okay with certain players missing content Mm-hmm. But uh, anyways, I, 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 no, we have to go back to talking about the campaign. Zombies is interesting. I get it. But um, no, I mean, I really wanted to, to discuss for a second here because um, there, this is the first Call of Duty I, I've played. So I, I'll, I'll give you my, my, my overall having played Call of Duty experience, this new one. Every time I go into a Call of Duty, I have this weird sickening feeling in my stomach that's been developing over the years that like, uh, like, like I remember in Modern Warfare 3 when you're in the A... A ten or uh, the, the 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 attack the A A one thirty the the attack plane and there's a bunch of terrorists down below you quote quote terrorists mostly just like villagers uh, oh yeah just little white dots the little white dots and you're like oh my god this is so intense get in the A ten so you can like blow them up and then you're just like you see these little white dots and you just click and it's boop and then they just disappear and I'm like I, I get yeah, that I'm is... supposed to be feeling powerful and shit but like this is like horrifying to me yeah I mean they really. Like, it it really swings both ways because at some points it's like, yeah, like they really gloss over that, like, you know, you're really just erasing, like, real human lives. No, obviously not real human lives, but in the context of the story, real human lives uh, with, you know, a touch of the button. But then also, like, uh, like they'll show, they'll try to show, like, the real horror of war, like... Um, I think in the beginning of Black Ops 1, you see a guy burned to death in a car. Yeah. And I was like... Yeah. Um, but both ways have kind of the same effect, which is just, you know, continuing to show the audience, like, war is cool. I, I remember this, like, distinct moment in uh, Black... In, uh, Black Ops 3, Modern Warfare 3, where I was, like, gunning down, like, a ton of dudes, and then I died, and it had one of those, like, Oppenheimer, like, I like, war is hell. And I'm like, you're mixing your messages here a little bit, you know? Yeah, come on. Yeah, and um, but I think that the newest one uh, really actually it, it it actually is the first 
Call of Duty that I think actually genuinely takes a stab at being critical of the modern, like, military state. So, real quick to everyone out there, like I said, spoilers for Call of Duty, uh, Cold War. Um, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. I actually didn't know it was Black Ops Cold War, like, until I started it. I thought it was just called Cold War, but, um, so, uh, close to the end of the campaign, uh, you find out that you aren't who you think you are. Um, there's little hints of it throughout the campaign. Uh, the first time I noticed it was when I went to that side room with the, the film development and the TV turned on and it was like TV of Vietnam and then it turned off. And I was like, what in the fuck was that? And that happens a few times in the campaign. Um, and you find out that you are actually a... Uh, I, I wouldn't say kidnapped. What is, what is the phrase? Uh, like a captured... Brainwashed. Yes, well, that's the point, is that you're, you're a captured Russian, I don't even know, if, well, you're Russian, but you're part of this, like, paramilitary terrorist organization. You're one of the bad guys um, that has been captured and brainwashed through the MK Ultra program, and have been given fake memories. Explicitly MK Ultra? What? Like, do they explicitly say this yeah. is MK Ultra? Yeah, there's some, there's some documents sitting around in between scenes and stuff that say MK Ultra. No, Hudson literally says we put you through the MK Ultra program. Like, oh, he actually yeah. says it. All right. Um, it might have, yeah. Oh, it might have been the Israeli guy that said MK Ultra program. So maybe if you keep the girl alive, because I kept the Israeli dude alive, um, I I just did. I just was like, oh, that one's closer. So, um, but when you when you find out that you're you've had your history erased and rewritten with Hudson's experience in Vietnam. Now there's plot holes there. Like, wouldn't you remember that you're from like some place in Russia instead of like Kansas? Like. Wouldn't you realize that you can read Russian? Um, but they do try. That's to... that, I love how it ties into the whole character creation element you do at the beginning, where it's like, oh, you're creating the cover story that was assigned to yeah. overwrite someone. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That is actually pretty cool. I, I do like how that plays in, and I do think they do try to explain the fact that you don't realize you're reading Russian because it's in your subconscious and you think you're reading English, um, and. Uh, so once you find out that you are actually uh, a Russian sleeper agent, uh, not, well, not a Russian sleeper agent, a Russian agent that's been brainwashed, um, you have the choice to uh, side with the, the CIA that has brainwashed you or to betray them. Um, now, to give you some premise of the story, you're fighting this terrorist named Perseus, who I can't remember if he's any of the previous games, um, but he is big terrorist Russian bad guy, not official government, but, you know, the, the super evil Russian government, Russian uh, sub-government or whatever. And, uh, deep state. Yeah, deep state. And um, he, has, he has captured uh, a nuke from America, but the reason he captured the nuke is so that he could get the codes to activate all of the nukes that were planted in Europe to be first strike missiles against the Soviet Union. And so he's going to blow up Europe with its own nukes. It's not that he's stolen nukes that he's going to launch. He's going to use their own nukes against them. And um, you have a scene where you're in the Russian embassy and uh, you they, they do this whole thing about like, hey, uh, we're trying to save the free world here, which is why you got to stop the terrorist. But you have an, a level where you play through in the Russian embassy where you sit down uh, next to Gorbachev, who is not as lovingly rendered as Reagan because I, I don't know, they just didn't love, as lovingly render him. Um, and he says, you know, the Americans are coming for our way of life. They want to destroy our, our country. And it's like the same diatribe. However, 
you are literally playing a level where you're sneaking into their their stuff to like steal their information and like killing a bunch of their dudes. So you like actually are the bad guy and he was actually right that like you're coming to do that, which I thought was actually kind of clever. At the time of playing that level though, I was like, wow, they're, they're, there's just no self-awareness here, is there? Like, oh, wow, they don't realize that it's the same on both sides. And, you know, you're, you're doing the mission in Vietnam where you're in the attack chopper and you're blowing up, uh, I think, a conservative estimate, 70,000 Vietnamese people. Um, and, like, I was like, oh, here I go again, doing the hyper-nationalist, isn't this good that I'm doing this? But by the end of the, by the, end of the game, if you side with, if you decide to betray the CIA, you can be like, Hey, you know, like they're like, where, what, 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 why would you betray us? You're like, oh, you mean the fact that you have secret nukes that you planted in Europe without telling them so that you can blow up a country? Yeah, uh, I decided that you guys are probably the bad guys, and and then an explosion happens and a bunch of Russians come in and the the UI changes to like Russian red stars and you kill your <laughs> old team. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and then and then you have to go and kill all the members of your team of your old team. And then Perseus comes in. He's like, comrade, I missed you so much. Uh, you're the best. I, I thought you were dead. Do you want to do the honors of blowing up Europe? And he hands you the, new, the, the detonator and you're like, fuck yeah. And then you do it. And I was like, that's great. That's a great way to end the game. I, I, have, to, I have to say from a, a complaint from a design standpoint is for how much I feel like they made it seem like your choices mattered. It is just that one. I mean, I know there's like some additional dialogue at the end, but it is just that one choice at the end that determines the ending. I was, kind of, I was a little bit annoyed by that. I think especially with how much you have dialogue choices this time around and you can like speak to people in your hub and you can also choose whether or not to capture uh, in, the, in the very first level, you're choosing whether or not to capture the informant, throw him off the roof or uh, I don't know, do something Let super American air guitars. Right? And then there's side missions too, you know. The, the idea of uh, a game where a lot of it is based around player expression that is rooted in an inherent lie, and you get to turn against that lie and mow down people who, if you aren't a fan of Frank Woods uh, or Hudson <laughs> or any of your old crew, or the guy, including the guy who uh, canonically killed JFK. My God, you can just mow them down. Yeah. Red stars, uh, Das Vidania, all hail, all hail the proletariat. Yeah, that is they they didn't have to go that hard, and I really, really appreciate that degree of from a product, if only from a production standpoint. Player expression is what matters to the degree that we're going to let you kill our entire cast in Nuke yeah. Europe. Yeah, and I think that for the length of the campaign being, it, it's a standard Call of Duty campaign length. It's like five, six hours. And for that five, six hours, the amount of, like, of course, yeah, it would be nice if your choices mattered more, but there's only so much you can do choices matter-wise in five, six hours. And it's mostly, to, it's like Black Ops 2. Like, most of the choices you made in that just colored the perception of the ending. It, it kind of, you know, it changed the flavor of of the, the characters and the cast. And it doesn't really, like, super matter because the ending is 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 going to be one of those two endings no matter what 
Um, but I think it's, I think that that's, you know, it, it is, it is what it is. It, it's a, it's a good version of that short six hour campaign. Cause it could, all of the other Call of Duty campaigns are basically a, a ramping up of set, set pieces and hyper-nationalism until you are literally donning a, a suit of impenetrable power armor and taking a, a stationary minigun and going into the biggest hotel in Dubai and throwing the bad guy off the roof. That's how Modern Warfare 3 ended with dun 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 dun, dun like the, the super patriotic music in the background. And, um... You know, and, uh, and hmm? I was just going to say, uh, Call of Duty, uh, Black Ops uh, 1 holds a special place in my heart because it was the first time uh, I, well, so the ending goes like you, uh, you, you know, the previous missions have been flashbacks of the main character getting tortured. Uh, and then you stop getting tortured and you go, you know, uh, to the base at the bottom of the sea and you kill the bad guy. Please. You did it, Mason. You did what I could not. And, like, the base is blowing up. And you're, like, frantically swimming to the surface. And you're, like, about to black out. And then, suddenly, your your friend pulls you into the boat, and he's... And, uh, uh, the main character who also killed JFK is like, <laughs> do we do we do it? And uh, Hudson is like, we did it, Mason. We won. Mason, it is over. We won. And like jets fly overhead, and then an aircraft carrier comes in from the yeah, distance. Aircraft carriers. We won. For now. rock and roll american flags the ethereal head of andrew jackson is like in the sky <laughs> nodding um and like <laughs> like um like that was the first time i i was like oh this is just this is propaganda yeah like i was like 14, holy shit maybe. do you think they're ever going to do a call of duty manifest destiny and it's about the trail of tears that would be. I, I literally had something chewed up my my spine. I, I think there's there's a degree to which this. It's interesting the degree that we even this game causes you to reflect on Call of Duty's brand of patriotism, right? Because the way that the series started, I don't uh, know if y'all remember, is they were talking to actual uh, survivors and soldiers of. World War II, mm-hmm. and, Band of Brothers embedding, like. and embedding those uh, stories in an interactive format. It was a when when you start this campaign in Stalingrad, everybody talks about the moment where you start that campaign without a gun because they learned that people were sent out to to fight without guns and pick them up from the first dead person who stood. That was the wave like approach in Russia. And uh, you go through that. It was it was before we had terms like empathy game or anything else. Call of Duty was creating this path of heroism in games from a very personally grounded perspective. Mm-hmm. So that patriotism arose from the stories that were initially being delivered. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. 
the fact that the series has gone so many directions since from space to uh, the murder of JFK that we are now getting this weird dissonance where there's nothing for that patriotism to be built on. So it's unfounded. Mm-hmm. And that, from that context, maybe the, it does make the most sense that our Call of Duty games are becoming more cynical. Because Let's, with nothing yeah. to be grounded upon, they're, they're looking at the screen and saying, yeah, uh, all that matters is who you press the button for, because either way you're pressing buttons. I, I think that is can, that can be a bit of a cop-out, but um, if anything, it also shows a potential way back, right? If we don't want this to simply be patriotism, it has to have a grounding in real-life experiences to the degree that the patriotism and the uh, nationalistic perspective comes from a place of sincerity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I think, you know... Go ahead. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a, you know, an important thing to remember is, like, you don't have to consciously be thinking, I'm making propaganda in order for it to be that way. Like, you know, I do believe that all these stories uh, that they made came from a place of sincerity. Um, and, you know, they were exposed to tremendous American exceptionalism, at least the American people that who were a part of it were. And that was reflected. Um, but also it's like, you know, it has received tremendous support from the military. Like, yeah. The military can't give them money, but it can, you know, much like uh, Captain Marvel can be like, hey, you want to come, uh, you know, do some recordings of guns and planes and like see how this all works? Uh, yeah. So, you know, on some level, like, like it or not, it is like a, a means of propaganda, but also like, you're right, like the propaganda, it does seem to be getting, you know, kind of self-aware. And I think it's like, you know, would they be putting extremely shameful things like MK Ultra into their game if it wasn't becoming more self-aware? Yeah, becoming exactly. a bigger project. I think that what we're seeing um, that's interesting about this newest one is the dissonance between the hypernationalism with the like the that that attempt to once again tell like a more grounded story because the, the hypernationalism of like you know God Emperor Reagan with the light shining around his face and all of the people you know, like the music swells when he walks in all the people <gasps> President Reagan they're like all like standing there with bated breath you know like Hudson gets all hot and bothered and faints um, like that portrayal you know trying to be apolitical. Versus the portrayal of America as probably maybe not the good guy all the time, um, are 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 dissonant, and and I think that that friction is going to be interesting to see which direction they go with that in the future. Whether whether the political climate of our country becomes such that continued criticism of the government becomes not only not only acceptable but like a norm, versus the impetus to have like this patriotic message. And Jesse, I do get what you're saying. Um, about the like the implicit uh, uh, militarist uh, p- propaganda of uh, a country that has based itself like the, the point of America in the world is that we have the biggest guns and to have a game yeah. where you're doing fun gun shoot is like inherently in line with who has the biggest guns is right like that is the implicit message of like the gameplay is Oliver I know you you well, have opinions on this War is fun. War is cool, and it's a good thing to do. And that's like the scary part. But that, that's the thing is that the original Call of Duty wasn't necessarily like that. And I think that that's that's one of the things that Oliver is getting at. Like the original Call of Duty didn't have an Ameri- all only American perspective. 
Sorry, go ahead. And I, and I would say that that has continued even to more recent things from what I know from what's been revealed for the Modern Warfare team. You had people reading, uh, for example, the manifestos of Jihad and so on. Like there, there is a degree to which I think the Call of Duty teams are, are motivated by a sincerity that is on the other end coming out as propaganda because we're getting further and further because now we are reinforcing a brand as opposed to telling uh, these stories. And, and those are, that's a subtle distinction, but an important one, one you can really see with Far Cry. Mm -hmm. At a certain point, Far Cry was doing, has been doing some interesting stuff, but because literally every Far Cry game has had pretty massive tonal variants, uh, and they've also gone from... Uh, the far neon streaked future to literal caveman times complete with their own uh, prehistoric languages. Mm -hmm. when, when they ever they make a new Far Cry game, people talk so much about the tonal distance in them because Far Cry now exists not to tell the story of the setting or of whatever else is there in most cases, but to perpetrate Far Cry the brand, a brand which now consists of Far Cry 1, which had a, a totally different creative direction and perspective, and Far Cry 2, which had a totally different creative direction and perspective, and Far Cry 3, which had a totally different creative direction and perspective, and Far Cry 4, which had a totally different creative direction, perspective, and mechanics of progression than Far Cry 5. It is inherently, excuse my French, fucked. Mm -hmm. So from that perspective, I don't even know if there is a road back for Call of Duty. Because the because the brand is now patriotism. Uh, whatever stories that they tell have to fit a style guide to some degree, which is why it's really neat to see this very shocking other ending that people are talking about. Yeah, exactly. Because, uh, it's it it suggests that the brand can be violated. What it makes me really want to do is I really really want to see what the next Call of Duty game is because it will define so much of. I think that will tell you what the next three years of Call of Duty games are going to look like. Yeah. Well, the the interesting note about that though is that this this ending is still labeled as the bad ending. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. they still slap a good and a bad on it. The good one is the one that you win. Mm -hmm. You side with the Americans. You choose to stop the nukes. The bad ending is the one you choose to betray your team. And I mean, and, it's also the one where you use like you nuke all of Europe, and that's a lot of people. So yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, that's, also that that's also true. That's also true. I'll give them that they side with the terrorists and uh, you know perform an act of like pure genocide. Um, but I know what you mean. Like but... genocide is bad. That's that's the that's the message of the real professional podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they do give you a compelling argument. Like, I did the first, I did the quote quote good ending, which actually I don't even think the game says good and bad ending, does it? Or is that just how people are classifying it online? Um, I'd have to look how... into that. But like I, the... I, I will look it up now. I'll look I, I'm cheese. just gonna go left and right ending left for Russia because of communism being leftist and right for capitalism. So if you go with the right ending. Or, or the the capitalist ending, the CIA ending is what I'll what I'll say. Which I did the first time, because he's like, look, the Hudson's like, I'm sorry what I did to you, dick move, uh, but like Europe's about to explode. Please tell us where he is. We don't want millions of people to die. And uh, so, hmm. no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, and I found that to be a pretty compelling argument, and I was like, well, you know, despite all the bad things I did, I don't want all of Europe to die. So that's what I did the first time. Um, which then 
you're rewarded. Your character's rewarded for doing the right thing by being murdered. Yep. Wait, what? You get murdered? Yeah. That's Hudson... vague. It's it's vague, but Hudson yeah. pulls a gun on you in the end, and it, it it and then you pull a gun in response to him pulling a gun, and it cuts to black before and you hear a gunshot. Yeah, you know the the most basic ending ever. Cut to black gunshot. Sopranos. Exactly. Yeah. The I do have to say though. Okay, so. A story aside, I, I, I agree with the earlier comment that I can't remember exactly who said it, but I agree with the comment that I don't know if there is a road back for Call of Duty just because of to 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 think of the messaging that they do. You kind of have to look at what they do outside of the game. And by that, I mean, like, Activision has this, they call it the code, this, the Call, Call of Duty endowment, where they, you know, donate to veterans, which by all means is a great thing. But on the other side of that, the military now obviously has an esports team and they mm -hmm. pedal Call of Duty pretty hard. And like, I mean, if you Google like Call of Duty recruitment tool, it's it it there is some group in the military who are officially or unofficially using this game as a yeah. recruitment tool to mm -hmm. you know draw people, make war look cool. Like you can do this cool shit if you join. Like even their advertisements, I, I think I can confirm seen. that uh, and then, it is not classified as good or bad. The two terms are ashes to ashes and the final countdown. Yeah, that's great. Okay. The dust. Uh, that's a that's a waste. Uh, but uh, going off, I mean, continuing on that thought, um, you know, the other thing is like, no matter how like horrible you portray war in a in a video game, at the end of the day, it's still a video game and it's still gonna be shown as fun. Yeah. Like that's yeah. kind of the contradiction. Like, you can portray it as like a horrible, horrible act, like just soul crushing. Just you know, the characters lose their humanity. I mean, you know, the comparison could be made to uh, Spec Ops Line, but at the end of the day, Spec Ops Line, you know, people played it because it was fun to play, not just, you know, well, Spec if Ops they didn't want to do the violence, yeah. they would have just put the game down, and that's not how you sell a game. Spe Spec, Spec Ops Line also uh, didn't do well. Like, it's had a very good uh, resurgence in terms of its critical and reception, and people come back and they'll buy it for, like, five bucks and they'll play through the campaign because they heard about it but at the time it was uh a flop mm -hmm. yeah, yeah I, I think that spec ops the line is um it's not about how it, that's that's part of the story though like spec ops the line is about becoming like a violent psychopath and it's about yeah. like how that changes you and how you can grow to love the horror that's kind of what spec ops the line is about and how, like, basically the only options for once you become that inundated in violence is to embrace it or lose your mind. And and that's what Spec Ups the Line is about. Well, what's the difference at that huh. point? I, yeah. Um, but I, I, I think that, um, like, uh, there are certain shooters that do manage to have a much deeper message, despite um, the implicit fun of the shoot-shoot-guns fun time. Like, Max Payne 3... Um, Max Payne 3, very fun bullet time, shoot, shoot guns, fun stuff. It is also one of the, actually probably, I would say, I would go as far as to say the most accurate video game depiction of alcoholism I've ever seen at the beginning. The intro to that game is like exactly what it's like to be a drunk. It, it's really, I'll really good. that and I'll say the preacher from Red Dead 2 who like, you know, shits his pants and like, you know, almost dies on a train track just because he wanders off. I'll, I'll say that's a little more accurate, but also I haven't played Max Payne 3, so. Yeah, just just watch the intro of Max Payne 3. It's, it it, it hits really that. home. 
I think I think Call of Duty will eventually. I mean, it's what it's probably what you guys are saying. They will start to do a better job of showing all sides of the war, but I don't think they'll ever be able to be a product that condemns the war itself because that is just the general concept is the basis yeah. of their game. Unfortunately, yeah, contradictory to be an anti-war uh, Call of Duty game. Exactly. Like so, the the best the best path they have is to show all the different aspects like you know like that other game uh, is it called this war of mine where you play as civilians in the middle of a war oh yeah <laughs> i i don't know if call of duty has done that yet in a campaign maybe they have i mean i guess the the little girl in modern warfare is is kind of that i mm-hmm. guess but yeah they will never they'll never be able to i think explicitly be like this is not good they'll just i think the only I think the only path forward, if they wanted to be truly, uh, you know, anti, anti-war, would just be to turn it into uh, like TF2, just like you know, real cartoony, real fun, real, uh, real like. But at that at that point, then it's like Call of Duty. War is fun. You, fun. They, they, in, in a lot of ways, like, they they can't win from the perspective of people trying to. Bend the brand one way or another. What what's uh, my my statements are evolving? This as we talk it over because it's just it is becoming clear just how many constraints they have on them from outside to inside. I think the main thing really is I think a, a a grounding for whatever perspective they're voicing because even if it's propaganda, if you have this is one thing that I've adored about uh, especially Battlefield 5's uh, campaigns is. So many of those are about heroism, but each one is about heroism uh, and what it means to support a war effort from a variety of angles that are so personally based that it can be viewed from outside the work as here's what this person views as the nature of military service, as opposed to mm-hmm. Call of Duty, where... I- a lot of that service is unquestioned unless we have like sort of these plot twist endings. I, I want to see more humanity in, in Call of Duty. And I think they are in many ways trying to provide that in every installment, but there is a degree of mainstream appeal that is lost when you do go hard personal. That is uh, the, 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 a major obstacle to, to that ever being a, a big piece of the project. I, I, I agree with you there. I I guess I feel like the battle. I mean, okay, so the Call of Duty games compared to the Battlefield games, the Call of Duty games are more fun to me campaign-wise, but I do feel like the Battlefield games are less, less, uh, I guess Hoorah. I don't know what the word, what's that? Hoorah. Yeah, Hoorah. and like, like less like, less like exploitation. I feel like the Call of Duty games are a little bit more exploitation. Um, Battlefield 3 they tried to be more exploitation. Battlefield three and four in particular. Oh uh, yes, I forgot really about on that angle. Guys, but what so, about Medal of Honor? Medal of Honor was straight on was uh, tried to go even further than both of them in the biggest in the more recent reboots um, before uh, that series got uh, ejected. Out. Uh, the ejector seat, and I think it's interesting actually as a case study to see Medal of Honor versus Battlefield. Battlefield ended up finding its way back and getting this, and retaining its a unique audience and getting its critical acclaim and so on and so forth in Battlefield 1 and Battlefield 5 by um, 
going into a more personal human uh, perspective on their war fronts, regardless of how deep or shallow those depictions were. Mm-hmm. Medal of Honor wanted that big money, Michael Bay money. Let's do it. Call of Duty money, baby. We just need a little bit of it. We can just get a taste of Call of Duty money. <laughs> We're in let's, there. Let's not and, forget about Battlefield Hardline. <laughs> yep, Battlefield Hardline. Uh, I, oh, I, Battlefield I, Thin Blue Line? Yeah, that was the cop one. Oh my god. That thing. <laughs> and, Ooh, and imagine that, trying to release that game this year. Uh, imagine, but like, imagine a series that released Battlefield Hardline getting to come back from that. Battlefield yeah. also had the cartoony TF2 approach with Battlefield Heroes. It's had several failed spinoffs and continued to recover. How? Why? But not just because it has this multi-front gameplay conflict, but also because the stories it is increasingly delivering have a self-awareness of grounded pers- uh, of a perspective to ground them um call of duty see it is is polished to the point where we are often not at least being explicitly exposed to those factors so it comes off as either propaganda or as uh shock and awe sensationalism Mm-hmm. I, I think that there is a, a, a way for Call of Duty to have the best of both worlds, but so much of it is going to depend on you know, um, Activision looking at their money spigot and saying this could be better. Mm-hmm. Man, <laughs> what if they were trying to announce Hardline Two this year and they were like, "Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> oh fuck! Oh, we can't do that." So I, I will admit when when Hardline when the concept of Hardline was announced I was kind of like oh all right I'm down, I'm kind of down to check this out and then I, I if I recall correctly when I played it it was like boring right I feel um, like it was boring it was fine I li- I liked it just fine but I I think I liked um like Battlefield like three and four like the modern ones and I've enjoyed the the the, the like one and five fuck I don't even remember which ones is which uh, Battlefield. Uh, one, which is I think Battlefield World fourteen. War one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I uh, I I just I I just I just want to imagine the boardroom of like Battlefield executives as they go like big announcement this at this year's E three back when they were planning Battlefield Hardline two and like oh E three is canceled what worse could happen and then like the news comes on they're like oh no <laughs> it 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 is interesting to see the degree to which um it almost feels like call of duty dodged a bullet making it be about the cold war uh this year because you aren't outside of the zombies mode you aren't fighting nazis you aren't fighting fascists explicitly uh you're fighting cold war terrorists a whole lot of hot button issues like, you know, fascism being bad, which shouldn't be a hot button issue for a game that is that you would think with from so many angles would be controversial. It's interesting to see the degree to which Black Ops Cold War hasn't been. Mm-hmm. I, I also thought and I mean, I think they did it well, but I also thought it was interesting because on that opposite side of that is that I feel like tensions between the U.S. and Russia have been at a high in recency. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to, to echo. I mean, again, I think they did a good job. They didn't, you know, explicitly paint i guess the soviet union at that point as like that i mean they you know like you guys were saying they they offered a perspective from the other side 
with Gorbachev being like, they're trying to ruin our way of life. But going into the game without knowing the campaign yet, I was like, Ooh, I wonder if wonder yeah. if somebody's sweating a little bit going into this year with, with the story like this. Well, it's like I said at the start of the pod, I think this is the, the, this is the Call of Duty for 2020. And I'm not saying that this is the perfect game for 2020, but of the Call of Duty franchise and the messaging of the franchise and like possibly walking back of the hyper-nationalism and entering into a gray area, this is the year that you can do it. Because I think that we're at like an all-time high for disenfranchisement in the system. And so like, I think that people on both sides of the political spectrum are more likely to be like, yeah, fuck the government. Like it's, it's, or, you know, at least acknowledging that the government isn't always uh, the good guy in these situations. And I I think that that's an important, I think it's an important step. I, I, I'm not exactly sure if it's going to change the future of the franchise, but I, it is, it is at least worthy of discussion, you know? Yeah, I had fun. Yeah, most definitely. I am. Um, what else did I want to want to say about the uh, the campaign? Because I think we're, we're we need to be wrapping up here pretty soon. Um, because I need to head to the head to the gym before the uh, the the stormtroopers crack down the streets and make it so I can't go outside. Um, which is a good thing. We probably shouldn't be dying of coronavirus. Oh, I do want to say real quick though. Um, David so- Goyer wrote this say again? Say again? game. What? Uh, sorry, I just realized the the guy who wrote. Uh, one of the two writers, credited writers for Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War is David Goyer. Really? Uh, really? Uh, yeah. Huh. That David Goyer. Hmm. You want to brief the audience on who that is? Uh, if you aren't familiar with David Goyer, uh, um, he was the writer of things from Batman Begins to uh, Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he done a whole bunch of superhero writing in particular, uh, but uh, also I remember him being a director. He's directed a few things. Yeah, he directed he, Blade Trinity. Do, do you? He did direct Blade Trinity. That's true. Uh, he also, uh, uh, if my memory serves, he wrote all of the Blade movies, I think, and I think that Blade Trinity is just the one that he uh, directed. And From what I'm seeing, yeah. And then I did, think he also did a horror movie um, called The Unborn and another great movie um, called Jumper, which will go down in history as one of the stupidest, most pointless movies ever made. Oh, man. Is that did the you one play the game? Christian, Christian uh, whatever, Hayden Christensen, that Hayden, one? Hayden Christensen and Samuel L. Jackson plays a Knights Templar, which turns out to just be dudes with taser sticks that fight teleporting uh, ninjas. And then... Mila Kunis is it? No, I don't think she's in Jumper. Never I don't. Mind. I have no idea who the female love interest is. Jumper is man. That, that's, what I was, that's what I was trying to figure out. I thought it was Mila Kunis, but I, I guess not. It's oh, it's Rachel Bilson, <laughs> which well, is about right for that time period. Well, um, as as a fellow writer producer myself, I have to give him credit for 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 all of his work. I, I feel affinity to anyone that produces and writes. Very prolific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, hey, do, do you guys feel, uh, real quick, do you guys feel like there was like next to no advertising cycle for this Call of Duty? I didn't realize it was coming out until the Monday before it came out. I feel like there was no advertising for this thing at all. I think it got swallowed by 2020, to be honest, which if Call, if, if Call of Duty hype can be swallowed by 2020, uh, what hope does anyone have? <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Like I, I've been, I've been looking at the sales figures for the Dragon's collection and stuff, and it's like, 
we've actually done pretty well. Um, like we've managed to break even on each collection plus some, um, you know, within a month, which is, you know, it's, it's actually pretty hard to do. Um, and yep. we've sold a number, a, a good number. Even at all. Say again? A lot of games don't break even at all. Yeah, I know. Exactly. So I, I'm really happy with, uh, what we've done. It's and um, but advertising has been fucking impossible this year because Dread X collection one dropped and I got to promote it for a whole 24 hours before uh, the George Floyd protests started. Um, and, like, that was rough. Uh, Dread X Collection 2 came out, and it was, you know, it did really, really well. That's our most successful title to date. Um, and Dread X Collection 3 came out, and then there was an election, like, a week later, and I was like, fuck. Well, I should have been able to plan that one, but it also dropped, like, Dread X Collection 2 dropped on the same day that uh, uh, Amnesia Rebirth and a number of other titles did. Um, and I, I, it's done well despite that, but advertising this year has been very, very, very strange. Um, it's really, really difficult to like go out there and be like, buy our game. Um, because I, I, I swear though, I didn't see a single Call of Duty commercial, like a, not a single commercial, especially with a console launch. Like they, like when they, the synergy of that on Ghosts and the Xbox One or whatever, whatever year that was, I feel like I saw nothing this year for Call of Duty. I saw a lot of Spider Man stuff. I did, yeah, I did see a lot of Spider-Man stuff. That's a good point. But I think people are more it... in tune to see uh, Miles Morales save kittens than they are to see uh, Europe explode at this point. You know what? You're you're probably yeah, you're probably right. There was probably a conscious decision to not hype a war game at this particular point in time. I mean, the unfortunate side effect of that though is that if this game doesn't perform as well because of the lack of advertisement, it's going to be directly tied into the content of the game and they're they're gonna yeah. say oh well we have to move back into you know exploding jets and stuff like that instead of this kind of more grounded story and or they're gonna look at the money they get from releasing a single warzone scan and go hmm <laughs> i know right maybe we'll just a very a very dark crystal hmm <laughs> warzone even if it gets bigger <laughs> I, I I am quite concerned how there's all these options in the multiplayer for like appearance for skins for weapons guns your character and none of them are there yet and I'm just anticipating like the the 4.99 each one that's coming soon. Mm-hmm. Although I will say that Call of Duty um, has done a pretty good job of not implementing loot boxes into their game into making things unlockable through um, like gameplay and that uh, most of their Black like... Ops have it. Black Ops Three had some kind of I, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the more recent ones, oh, okay. like modern warfare and stuff. And um, I remember World War II had loot chests, but they're only cosmetic. And I'm I am totally fine with cosmetic loot chests. I I do not give yep. a fuck uh, about yep. cosmetic loot chests. So I agree. I I just remember there was something people really the supply drops in Black Ops Three or something where like really changed the gameplay. Like you could get you could roll on a really crazy gun or I don't even remember exactly what it was. I just remember that is, that is what you could do. You could get like a guns were divided according to uh rarity tiers and you could get a rarity tier gun with like a bunch of really good attachments on it if you rolled right and if you didn't you could get uh, a scope. <laughs> yeah. You could get a foregrip for a gun you hadn't even unlocked yet. <laughs> On on that case, then I will give them credit for because Black Ops Three again was their big you know the, the DLC on that was huge and they made a bunch of money. I will give them credit on not just forcing that into everybody's face on every single Call of Duty from that point on. Yeah, well, I think that um, 
like uh with with like the loot box stuff and like trying to you you're, you always want to try to like maximize capital for your investment so like if you have if you if you design a thousand skins for your guns do you want them to unlock it by buying five dollar skin packs or do you want them to buy a two dollar chest that they can roll over and over again and i i understand that but i, I will remember I, I do remember like I, I used to work at a computer store and uh the the like the people rolling those loot chests and seeing the look in their eyes is like the exact look in my eyes that i like realized i needed to get to the store to buy another bottle of whiskey before it closed at 2 a.m and i'm like oh shit gambling is addictive <laughs> turns out we should uh we should implement some joke dlc or loot boxes for dxc3 uh just, just patch it in the back don't make that joke because we do have content incoming. <laughs> we have a, we have a, we have uh we were trying to get some stuff done for Christmas. That would be fun. Oh, sure. Okay. But not paid DLC. It's just like little we're, fun stuff. Replacing all the pumpkins with uh, Christmas trees and menorahs. I, I just kind of am, am considering doing loot boxes, but ones you don't have to pay for just that rolling the dice simulator. Like I, I want to just like, that'd be a fun game. Loot box opener. I wonder if anyone's made that. Just I was I was a voice actor for a loot box opener. <laughs> oh, damn, and there you go. It was called Box Looter 2018. Uh, I I also wrote the very the very brief story, which was uh, I think it my name was uh, I don't remember what my character's name, but like there's this dude named Michael Transactions, and he killed my wife, and I said I was going to open up every single box, and then it throws you into uh, a Unity scene, and you are you sure do open a lot of boxes and you get the ability to open up even better boxes. And sometimes the boxes have glowies and the particle effects. Cause you, that's a, that's a rare box right there. But if you don't have enough money to open up other boxes to try to get enough money to open the big box, but then by then the big box is gone. Someone made it. Is that's what great. That is great. Uh, oh, I had the great feeling as all of you, you probably have gotten this before. Someone messaged me randomly on steam was like, Hey, I just wanted to let you know that whoever did the story for DreadX Collection 3 did a really good job. It, like, really hit me right in the feels. And I'm like, oh, that was me. You did a really good job about those overarching uh, tie-ins. Like, uh, for DreadX 1, the little um, vignettes oh, attached to each uh, thing. You do, you, you're, you're a good wire producer, Ted. You I good appreciate that. I, I do like not being just a producer, you know? Like, I, I feel like a lot of times people are, like... They, they produce when they can't do anything else, but like I, I do feel like I actually have stuff to contribute to the games that I, I work on, which is nice. Um, you mean besides just the, the pick of yourself in every game? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna have to stop doing that though. Like uh, it'll probably so. be it'll probably be an Easter egg in some of the games in the future, but like it's gonna stop being like in everyone's face. It, it started as a joke, and then everyone just kind of ran with it, and I was like. Because originally it was like, hey, you know, if you put a, if you put a if you put a thanks for me in your credits, then you get a free pizza. And it was mostly just like because they had to like it was like something that like we actually required to put like Patrick and Mai's name in the credits. But it was like, eh, but if you do that, I'll get you a pizza. It's like a you know kind of a fun thing to do. And then the second collection, Justin asked for a picture of me, and I had no idea what he like. Oh no no, let me rephrase that. He didn't even ask for a picture of me. It was my old Discord profile picture, and he just put it in the game without asking. And uh, I was like, that's funny. 
And then a bunch of people were reacting to it, and then in the third game, everyone was just like, let me put you in my game, let me put you in my game. Let me how how many, like, how okay. many, I was going to ask you, how many people actually, so I know I did, I know Torpal did. I'm in, uh, I'm in, uh, me, you and Torpal, I'm in uh, Matter Over Mind, I'm in oh, yeah. uh, uh, Agree. I'm in... Um, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm in, uh, well, I already said you're a game, right? Yeah, and and then you're you're technically in not the same pick, but you're in the launcher as well. You and Star. Yep, we are. We, Star and I are in the launcher. Um, and I'm trying to remember. I think there's one or two others that I'm in, but it was like it just kind of grew out of control, and I need to kind of rein it back in because I don't want to be like that's just like it was a joke. I don't want it to add people to think I'm actually forcing people to put me in their game. Like Jesus. I love I, when YouTubers recognize you now because they're like, oh, there's there's Ted. There's Ted. I know. I mean, at this point, you could be like Alex Kidd. You could be sort of like a, a very iconic mascot. Remember Sega's iconic mascot, Alex, Alex Kidd. Alex the Kidd. Most, uh, the, nice, the most iconic Sega mascot. Yeah, yeah. You know, way better than Sonic. <laughs> yeah. So, so who? <laughs> it's, all, it's the Alex Kidd station. You don't know about Alex Kidd in Miracle World? <laughs> That's bitches, the good stuff. Bitches ain't no shit about my Alex Kidd. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah but um yeah yeah i uh dread x collection 3 was a, was a wild ride i'm looking forward to doing stuff next year we got a bunch of titles titles on the docket it's gonna be pretty fucking sweet um but uh yeah you know i i, I do kind of want to wrap this up though i think that uh uh you know i wasn't when i when i so alex like you said uh didn't see a lot of fanfare for this call of duty i actually forgot that this one was coming out until i got the email in yeah. my inbox to say like hey what 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 platform do you want it on i was like oh uh let's do pc i guess and then they sent me the code like two minutes later they have a really good press team uh they always do a bang-up job um and uh you know they uh it was like oh there's a new call of duty and i was like eh, it's probably going to be exactly the same as the last one wasn't really expecting it but uh i'm, I'm surprised that we got there's so much to talk about for a call of duty game um and, and, and so much to talk about that isn't just about the industry as a whole, the, the design of Call of Duty games in general, and more about like the actual specific interesting intricacies of this specific uh, game and, and how it exists in the larger franchise. I think it's... Uh, so I, I just want to say that uh, to the team, you know, Treyarch, uh, all of who are listening because we're so famous and popular, um, you know, I, I, think that, I think that they did a really, really, really good job on this one and i want to see more of this style i want them to go further in the direction i want them to go harder into this like i, I hope they make uh they, they they just abandon the whole concept of like good guy bad guy nation states and just tell stories about people trapped in between the conflict of massive titans that care nothing for their existence um and i will also say real quick that uh i although we have mentioned a lot of things about uh, veterans and the uh, the the whole like uh, like the, the the recruitment tool things like that. Uh, I've had met a number of individuals uh, that are veterans that are not you know hyper militaristic pro war. Uh, you know organizations like Stack Up um, that do like a really Stack good Stack Up has incredible stuff. Yeah, Stack Up like legitimately. I interviewed the guy at Stack Up at, at uh, PAX South, and basically, yeah, I was like you know like talking to him about a lot of the same things that we're talking about now and he's like you're never going to see a video game that actually shows what it's like to be in the military which is like you know months and months of crushing boredom and monotony and then 15 seconds of the most terrifying moments of your life and like he's like 
he's like, no one's ever going to show you that some people uh, join the military just because they want to kill. No one's ever going to show you that like men rape other men in the military. You're never going to see that. And he's like, and, mm -hmm. and, and also for my, for my own, um, I, I come from a military family myself. And one of the other big things you also won't see in this military context is how many people just, they like, you've got like the weary drill sergeant who's like, he's going to retire next week. He can't wait, wait to get out of this hell hole. Outside of that, you don't see how many people like join to get a better life, to get out of uh, a out of a de out of a bad or a small town, how to to take care of their families, the degree to which um, the the unusual degree, the unusual and saddening degree to which the humanity of military members is lessened by uh, things that supposedly exist to glorify them is unfortunate and terrifying yeah you're never gonna see uh, a military game ending with a dude offing himself because he's not sure he's gonna make it outside of this structure or people that re-enlist i mean like you know I, I i do aa i've mentioned that before i probably shouldn't mention that but whatever they can't kick me out it's not an organization that has like a membership roster but i know I, i've had friends that joined aa and they tried to get sober and then they just decided fuck it and they went back into the military because they knew that they could drink there with their buddies and no one would fucking judge them so um, and I think that, you know, there's, there's definitely that darker side to things that, um, I don't think that actual military veterans ignore. And I, I think that there's always going to be that, not always, but I think that there is that disconnect between the hoorah hypernationalism. I, I will tell you a very surreal experience was, uh, interviewing the stack up guy and then going outside to have a cigarette right after, after that intense conversation and having a cigarette with the dude that's part of. That, that like runs the uh, US Army esports team. A very different perspectives on it. And uh, it was that was a, that was a trip, man. And there is as as diverse of perspectives within the armed forces that there are outside. And uh, it's very, very, I think, um, important to always realize that when you're criticizing uh, the, the propaganda of a video game and the national the hyper nationalistic uh, stuff that you might read into it, or that might be just, you know, prima facie hyper nationalism. Um, does not necessarily reflect upon every single person that's part of that organization. It is, it is, and that's, and, and the sad thing is, is like you said, a lot of people join for better lives, better families, better lives for their families. Um, they don't know, they're, they're, you're 18, you don't know, I, I, I didn't know the fuck I was doing at 18, you know? Like, <laughs> um, and, and that, uh, uh, you know, there, there, there are humans behind all of those, uh, uh, the things. So even if, what I'm saying is, even if you disapprove of Call of, of Duty, of the nationalism, uh, don't don't take that out on anyone that like has, has served and, and is dealing with those, you know, repercussions. And uh, even if you are, here, here. and even if you are someone uh, who is a, uh, a veteran yourself and you're, you're listening to this and you're thinking that, you know, these are a bunch of out of touch leftists that don't understand um, you know, understand that you can criticize uh, 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 the, the, the propagandistic structure without also trying to demonize individuals that are just trying to make their way through this life the best that they can and um, have made choices to do that, which you might not see as the choices that you'd make, but, you know, we all find our own path to get there and it affects us in different ways. So that's all I wanted to say about that to conclude. Um, unless any of you had anything you wanted to add on to that little end speech. 
I just think that's a good call out. Like the critiques and comments I hear on Call of Duty are, are as as a video game medium and not reflective of you know anything that that game may attempt to represent in real life. Yeah. Or that the corporate structure of the military, uh, which in many ways does resemble a corporation, uh, that that doesn't uh, that doesn't reflect on uh, in many ways even a vast majority of the people who are a part of it. That they need to re re. Bring back the quick scope feature for COD two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's that's a true reflection of they need that in the military too. Yeah, exactly. The quick scope. <laughs> Give our troops the quick scope. What are you doing? Bring getting like new F 16s when we still don't have a quick scope for every troop. <laughs> why won't Why don't they just give troops every perk? <laughs> yeah. Why do they have to fight so many wars to unlock them? <laughs> My favorite build, my favorite Call of Duty loadout was um, in, uh, might have been two, um, you you don't use a weapon, like you just, you don't go into battle with a weapon, but you do take like seven different perks, and so you can just sprint around the battlefield like tanking damage. Uh, Wait, this is a real perk? Well, um, they they had the loadouts based on like, like you, like you had a set amount of like, Points. I don't know. Like, carry weight. Big ten points. Yeah. Oh, yeah, ten the, points. the I forgot. Okay, that was the one where I didn't really the, the yeah. pick ten or whatever. Yeah. So why, why okay. spend eight of them on weapons when you could just uh, <laughs> you know just run around with a knife? Okay. That's like the one I, I think I sat out. Yeah, you didn't miss much. Anyways, <laughs> I unfortunately have to go. This is a good talk. This was great. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, Both Zolivir and Alex and Jesse, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really awesome to have you on. This was a great discussion about the intricacies of Call of Duty. Um, And all of you guys at home, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been really fun. Uh, If you haven't checked out any of our games before, Dreadx Collections, all of them are available on Steam. Uh, Really great series of games. Both of these cool guys have worked on them before. Um, And, you know, we got a lot more cool stuff coming down in the pipe in the future. So, uh, just keep keep checking the the, 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 the Twitter and the and the and the, the, the YouTube's. We're gonna have more stuff coming out on YouTube's soon, and uh, you know there's just there's always more content coming out for the the DreadXP stuff. Be it a game, a podcast, more articles, uh, which you can read on DreadXP.com. Uh, plenty of good stuff for you. So uh, you know, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, and uh, just real quick, both Alex and Zolivir. Alex first, just because arbitrarily I picked him first. Do you want to go ahead and pitch your channels and stuff? Oh, well, I guess my only channel is my Twitter, which is at CorpsePile. Mm-hmm. That's and can, it. And you can check out his previous games uh, by looking up CorpsePile on itch.io or itch.io slash CorpsePile, or does it CorpsePile.itch.io? I can't remember the the, cult, the, the convention. Uh, it's CorpsePile.itch.io, it looks like. That's right, CorpsePile.itch.io to see all of the dope CorpsePile games like uh, Open House Simulator and uh, Closing Your Garage Door and Routine, all fantastic indie horror, horror gems, I'd say. And Zolivir, you want to go ahead? Yeah, I'm uh, at W-R-I-T Nelson on Twitter, and if you want to support my work uh, and maybe even get your dog into a game called An Airport for Aliens Currently Run by Dogs, I have a Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash strangescaffold. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, guys, if you want to join in the conversation as well, you can always join our Discord. It's the DreadXP Discord. You can find the link on our Twitter. Uh, That's it. Uh, Thank you guys so much for joining us, and we'll be back with a... uh, new kind of more jovial podcast in the future so uh thank you all for joining us and i will see you all soon bye